Napa know-how. At Napa Auto Parts, you can get $25 or more off brand new DeWalt power tools by trading in your old ones. You know, those worthless tools you never use anymore? Yeah, those dusty things can actually save you at least $25 on new DeWalt power tools. Hmm, not so worthless after all. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores, while supplies last. Offer ends 6 What's going on, everybody? Welcome back. Another edition of PGA Grinders Live After Dark. I am your host, Justin Van Zuden, and happy to be back with you after the final major of the season, the PGA Championship last week. Uh, a lot of fun talking about that tournament a week ago. Really difficult scoring down at Quail Hollow uh, compared to what we had seen in the past for the Wells Fargo Championship. Lots of bogeys down there. Uh, the cut was around five over par, and uh, it was a difficult golf course out there for those guys. So a little bit easier this week. We'll break down all things Wyndham over the next hour. Until then, I will bring in my co-hosts, Gib Pollard on one side. Gib, how'd the PGA Championship treat you? I, I did fairly well, actually. Uh, I had some JT, I had some Francesco, I had some Hideki. I did have a, a Hudson Swafford, a Brendan Steele, and uh, I forget the third one. Uh, but yeah, it, it, overall, I, it was profitable. Had a nice weekend uh, with the missus making furniture. And uh, yeah, it was uh, a birthday party for my uh, my youngest son as well. So it was it was all on last week. I saw some of the pictures that you uh, you tweeted at me. So your your handiwork is uh, is making the rounds across the interwebs and. You know, you could have a full-fledged business on your hands there. Uh, yeah, it's too have... hard to compete with the Amish. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. Um, yeah, no, I uh, we have actually sold some of the stuff that we've made. Uh, but, yeah, no, my wife does uh, most of the designing. I'm just a cheap foreign labor. <laughs> <laughs> Minimum wage? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but I'm going to give a shout-out to uh, the, the two teams in which I coach. Of course, none of them are going to be watching, and they shouldn't be watching. But, uh, yeah, no, two undefeated seasons this this year. So it was a really great year coaching, and I was really happy with the, the, the kids that I coached. So it was all on the coach then? No, it wasn't really. It was the players. It was the players. So I see you've positioned yourself – in uh you know in the best uh district or whatever to where you get the you get the primo athletes and you're guaranteed to go you know undefeated or have a really good record i see I there's see only you're... thirteen thousand people in this town so i'm not in the primo district there is only one <laughs> that's not that small yeah still I mean, small i, I, I mean, grew up in a town of four and a half million that's large yeah uh, yeah i think ours is I don't know, around that size, 12 maybe. Um, I'm just giving you grief. Well, congratulations on the good seasons. I saw your uh, Gatorade bath or ice water bath or whatever it was there. Did, did you get Did you get the joy of getting that twice? Yeah, yeah. The second time, though, they were banging it around. I was worried they were going to drop it on my head. <laughs> they were going to knock some sense into you then. Oh, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, Mr. Brian Devonshire on the other side. Uh, top that, I guess. 
how can I possibly top that? I mean, the guy actually does compete with the Amish in craftsmanship and carpentry. And he's an undefeated soccer coach of not one, but two teams. Merely, I'm just a river rat that drank a lot of beer and did some other fun things this weekend. It's been a great summer. I'm a lot tanner than you boys, but I've missed out on a lot of those other fine things for sure. You look to be in a different location this week. Well, the season is waning. Uh, Over 60% of children in America went back to school on Monday, so... Uh, that really lowered our numbers, and uh, the shop got closed down faster than I was expecting. So uh, the keys to the office side drove away. So now I'm over in the very entertaining guide lounge. <laughs> our kids start uh, school on Thursday, so they've got uh, one more day of freedom before school starts. But I think they're looking forward to little ones start out there. Two weeks Two yet? Weeks. Yeah. What are you guys doing out there? Well, we finished later, too. All right. Well, see, we got to worry about, you know, snow and that and all those things. So do we. Of course, I guess you do too. Yeah, that was a silly comment. I take that one back. I forgot where you were for a second. Now you're not yeah. in Florida. No, I, I I don't know why, but yeah, I, I'm pretty sure it's two weeks. I don't keep track. That's why I got married. <laughs> well, <laughs> they all go to school the same amount of time when push comes to shove anyway, but ours are uh, starting to get to the get after uh, each other's stage. So I think they're looking forward to it. Our, uh, Youngest will be in preschool this year, oldest will be in second grade, so uh, times are about to get busy in the Van Zuden household. But you're not here to hear me talk about my kids, you're here to talk about golf. And uh, Gib, uh, you know, Justin Thomas uh, pulling that out on Sunday was uh, it was pretty much a back-and-forth tournament with about six or seven guys in it down the stretch. Uh, is that what you needed there to put your lineups over the hump, or would you prefer to Molinari or a uh, a Matsuyama victory there since you had exposure to all those guys. I was actually pulling for uh, Molinari. And at one point, I think all three of them were tied for first. Yeah, it was about when the when the leaders were on like 14 or something like that. Yeah, so I was actually at my mate's, uh, in my mate's garage uh, using a table saw. And he comes in, he's like, okay, he ran down the list of people in first. And I checked my scores. I'm like, wow, I just jumped up a lot of dollars right now. And then, you know, we're doing cuts, doing cuts, doing cuts. And then I peek my head in and then all of a sudden, you know, Hideki's three straight bogeys or something like that. I think uh, Francesco had one or two bogeys and Justin Thomas was in the, in the lead. And I was thinking, yeah, what could have been? But, you know, it, you know, I, I still was profitable. So it was good. Um, I, 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 you know, obviously you wish at the end you had more exposure to the winner, but uh, I really wish I did. Well, it uh, still sounds like it was a better week for you than it was for me and uh, and a lot of others. But uh, it, it, the Kisner, so Kisner was in the final group with Chris Stroud, I think, or somebody, and uh, Stroud faded on Sunday. But um, Kisner was kind of up and down, and it came down to the 18th hole on Sunday, and Kisner was in the last group. And even though he didn't have a chance to win, it was Justin Thomas had it locked up at that point, but. Uh, Kisner on the 18th hole, he hit his approach shot into the water. The 18th was the toughest hole on the course and uh, ended up making a double bogey. And that swung the millionaire maker on DraftKings like you wouldn't believe. Uh, One fellow who was in the lead and just needed a par from Kisner on 18 to win a million dollars, he lost $885,000 with that double bogey by Kisner on 18 and uh, fell down to third, I believe. And then you know, the person that was in third 
moved up to first and gained $885,000. So one uh, ball in the water on 18 from Kisner swung a lot of money there on DraftKings on Sunday. So uh, hooray for the winner and uh, not so much fun for the guy who dropped all the way to third. Obviously can can feel for somebody in that uh, sort of scenario. But uh, Jim Furyk cost me one Jim Furyk putt cost me something like $1,100 once. And um, Carlos Ortiz cost you a little bit too, right? Oh, yeah, look, yeah. <laughs> is yes. he playing? I'm surprised that he's, uh, he's, he's not out. playing. He's not. Oh, play. He's probably playing some uh-oh. sort of. He might be playing Red.com or maybe even Latino Tour or something like that. Um, good. Reading. I was just you know surprised with the weaker field this week, and that's part of the reason why uh, we're we're taking a little bit of time to get into things this week. It's it's not the most uh, exciting event to talk about this week. The Wyndham, uh, very weak field when you get through the top few golfers this week. Obviously, right before the FedEx Cup playoffs, uh, you've got a lot of guys that just simply aren't playing this week. So uh, it's, it's the it, worst field of the year but it can see it from where it's sitting. It's not? I'm surprised it's not. No, no. It's, uh, you know, there's obviously the San, like Sanderson Farm, but... Um, well, yeah, that one doesn't... I, I wasn't counting the Sanderson Farms and the Barbasol, I guess, since they're, you know, adjacent to other events those weeks, but uh, it's got to be down there. Uh, it is definitely down there, uh, you know, but, you know, when you think about DraftKings and the European DFS, some of those uh, tours can, or some of those events can be pretty, pretty down there too. So um, yeah, Carlos Ortiz, he's actually playing in the uh, web.com tour these days. Oh, you looked that up on the fly. All right. Well, we'll turn our attention to the Wyndham here after a fun week with a major last week. We are at Sedgefield uh, Country Club. We're in North Carolina this week, and uh, lots of local guys to the area. Greensboro uh, is where this tournament calls home. Uh, Devo, what can you tell us about the uh, layout, the course, and what have you that's in front of us this week? It's pretty much the exact opposite of what we dealt with the week before, except for the fact that we're still in North Carolina, and it's still gone rain. Par 70, 7,127 yards. That's an extra 500 yards and one less stroke you got to do it in. The field is, uh, yeah, as you all mentioned, it's not exactly inspiring with talent. Uh, They've been playing on this course since 2008, so don't consider course history before that. This event has been a thing for a long time. Um, There's a big narrative this week about the FedEx cut line and, like, the tour card you know, narrative kind of thing. And there's a whole bunch of guys that are all in the field this week that are kind of on that bubble. Uh, I think that's going to lead to a lot of bloated ownership on these guys. That probably isn't necessarily a good thing. I don't think. Are you saying the guys that are like around 125 in the rankings or. Right. Yeah. And they're like the whole 20 of them in that neighborhood are all playing this weekend. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think that their increased ownership is not going to be made up in some increased like desire to suddenly do well this week as compared to other weeks in fact in the 10-year history of the fedex cup playoffs only 23 golfers have moved into the top 125 as a result of the last event of the season so this is a course that you know i'm looking at recent form uh it's a big time approach course the fairways are not hard to hit the greens are not hard to hit they're 6500 feet on average uh the bermuda grass is the thing that people are worried about there's definitely like a 
emphasis on taking guys from the south who are used to this kind of grass in this weather is going to be hot and humid and i'm again not really sure what to make out of that because there's a lot of guys from the south that you know aren't necessarily really good at this course so um there's a lot of par five or par fours in the 400 to 450 yard range there's eight of them there both the par fives are between 500 and 550 yards they're both very easy holes should be reachable by most of these guys um yeah a lot of strokes gained off the tee strokes gained approach proximity is pretty important uh not because these greens are hard to hit and they're small they're large but they're actually pretty undulated so there's certain locations of the green that you'd rather be in than way over there I feel like we talked about that top 125 narrative quite a bit last year because yeah. it's a double-edged sword. I mean, those guys, if you're sitting 126 going into this week, you know it's kind of all in your own hands. Uh, there's pressure involved with that, whereas other guys don't have that. So um, I do I do agree with Devo in that I think it kind of leads to inflated ownership because – uh, a lot of people are going to be talking about these guys. Oh, they're going to be so much more motivated to perform than Henrik Stenson is this week. But, I mean, there's two sides to that coin as well. Uh, Gib, what do you make of that kind of narrative that's going to be circulating around this week? Because I agree. I do think it's a thing. Uh, just to, to sort of prove that point a little bit more, I'm not even taking that into consideration in, in terms of picking players who potentially could move up I, I don't even know who's on the bubble right now. I haven't um, – I'm, I'm going to take a look at that and I might actually just go away from that because we have spoken about – we did speak about it last year. And I, is this the third time we've done the Wyndham or the second? I think it's the third. Okay, so I believe we did it the year before that as well. So, I mean, we've always spoken about the bubble. And I, I think we're all in agreement that, you know, the pressure for them to get into the playoffs is probably greater – than most weeks so and these are players that are highly inconsistent so you know you have the the players who are, have the pressure on winning but usually they're the best players in the world these players aren't the best players in the world and they're getting that same sort of pressure they have to win to get into the playoffs and you know some of them choke and some of them majority. Would, you, would you like to hear some of the names because i have it pulled up Sure, yeah. So uh, 118 to 125, these would be the guys that are currently in, but, you know, hanging by a thread, probably need to make the cut this week. Uh, Blaine Barber, Vaughn Taylor, Zach Blair, David Hearn, Richie Warinsky, Seamus Power, Daniel Summerhays, and then Jeff Ogilvie is 125. Uh, the guys that need to move up to get in, Cameron Tringali, Sam Saunders, Ryan Palmer, that's how bad of a year he's had at 128, Billy Hurley, JT Poston, Graham McDowell at 131, Trey Molinax, Aaron Badley, J.J. Henry, and Smiley Kaufman at 135. Yeah, there's a few names in there I, I liked. Um, and I might not move off them, but... Um, so, you're ba yeah, you're basically not letting it make your sway your decisions yeah. really one way or the other, which is kind of where I'm at as well. Yeah. And if there is, you know, a chalk play in there or somebody that gets talked up, you know, because... Maybe he is a decent fit for this course. And then also, oh, well, he needs the, you know, a good finish to get inside the top 125. I do think you'll see maybe the ownership go a little bit higher on some of those guys. A really interesting point, though, there that uh, that Debo brings up and and one that we certainly have kept an eye on in the past uh, that, that really maybe hasn't had that big of an impact. Just to, to follow back on what we were discussing earlier, this is the fifth 
uh, weakest field that DFS has hit this PGA season. Okay. Do you have the list? Uh, Puerto Rico was the worst. That's not surprising. And then there's uh, <laughs> the John Deere Classic. Yeah, that's not surprising either. And then the Mike Oba and then the RSM Classic. Hmm. I'm surprised that – I mean, I, I kind of would have put this on par with the John Deere in terms of the field mm-hmm. uh, field strength. But, of course, guys like Stenson, uh, you know, they if Stenson wasn't playing this week, I think it would be even more interesting conversation I to mean, have. Last year they had Fowler, they had Reed, they had – I think they had Sergio maybe. Did the PGA um, – did, did the schedule move though? Was it right after the PGA last it, year? It was right off the Olympics. Okay, so well, that's still, yeah. And there was actually, I think, five Olympians come back just for this event. Uh, Rafael Cabarabello was one of them too. But you know, you know, they're coming over long trip. They probably wanted to play on USL just before the FedEx playoffs. But there's also, I think, there's a clause in some of these players' contracts that state that they have to play a different tournament each year they can't just go the same tournaments each year they have to sort of make an effort to go into a a different tournament so i think that's what happened last year is ricky fowler and a couple of the the lads there like oh let's just go play this one um and make that uh one course that that we're playing in so yeah it, it was definitely a stronger field last year that's for sure yeah, it, it's uh, well, it's hard to get a whole lot weaker than what we've got here. Uh, Debo, you see anything as far as uh, weather, other miscellaneous things about the course before we dig in? Um, I mean, there's going to be weather. It's going to be wet. The course is wet. The Carolinas are wet in general. So uh, I don't see anything that's giving me an edge either way to tee times or anything like that. Uh, 156 runners, top 70 are making the cut this week. Uh, I'm definitely not letting you know, this motivational narrative sway me onto guys, but I think it might let me be swayed off of some guys, uh, notably Ryan Palmer and Smiley Kaufman, who I think are going to pop for a lot of people. And then that's just going to add fuel to the ownership fire. So I'm on them now and might be off of them by the time we get to tomorrow. So Gib, you got anything else to add about the setup? Uh, not really. I mean, this course is gettable uh, from, almost every aspect so you know was it in the last seven years people like sue kim who i guess it's a player championship the player champion the, the the people who have won this tournament basically head shakers even when you look at webb simpson and patrick reed those were their first career wins on the pga tour at this event so in the last seven years you can pretty much guarantee that sergio was the only sort of oh well i get that win out of all the people who have won. So it's, but it's, you get into these tournaments with a ton of birdies. A lot of times you'll see that, you know, whoever gets hot and sometimes it, it tends to, to level out the playing field a little bit. We I, see I, it. I sort so, of equate it to, you know, you give a whole bunch of artists with whole different backgrounds in their, their artistry, a blank canvas and tell them to draw your masterpiece. Then you have to sort of judge them on that. You know, there's not one one which way you can go with it, and they all look good. Uh, and obviously, these players don't all look good, but it can go any which way. So it's the only consistent thing about this tournament is the winner and the the players are highly inconsistent. And with that, uh, we'll start to dig into the golfers for this week. So. Uh, I think Henrik Stenson just deserves some discussion 
on his own merits here. You know, everybody's kind of talked about how it's been a, it's been a rough year for Stenson, relatively speaking, not exactly in the finest of form, especially by his standards, but quietly he's posted top 15s at the last two majors, 17th at the Bridgestone in between there. So that's something. I mean, it's not like he's been winning, but three straight top 20s. Uh, the, the discussion is kind of out there that this week that he needs to have at least 15 starts on the PGA Tour this year um, in order to to keep his full status for next year. Otherwise, he'd be restricted to 12. And if he doesn't play this week, then he would need to make sure that he got to the FedEx Cup finals uh, in order to reach that 15-start kind of um, limit. So he's playing this week essentially so that he guarantees himself getting through uh, those those 15 PGA Tour specific starts uh, to keep his full status for for next year. So that's why Stenson is playing this week. Um, there's been some chatter that you know there's always a withdrawal risk with him, but I'm pretty sure that he needs to at least post a score. I'm not entirely sure on this. I'll admit that, but I think he needs to post a score for it to count. So. Uh, I don't think there's a ton of withdrawal risk here. Obviously, unless he's injured which is always a possibility with him. But the withdrawal narrative, I'm not quite as worried about this week. And obviously in a weak field, he's a talented golfer in a weak field. So I don't know whether people are still going to shy away from him just because overall his season hasn't been great. But I think he deserves some conversation on his own. So, uh, Devo, what do you think about Stenson this week? Well, you brought up a lot of great points there, Justin. Stenson is definitely the class of the field, but Vegas still only has him at 12 to one to beat even this weak field here. Uh, so they're probably a little bit worried about his motivation. I think it would be interesting to find out whether he actually needs to tee it up on Saturday or post a complete score or just tee it up on. I mean, Thursday. I think he's okay. If he misses the cut, I just yeah, don't think he's okay. If withdraws. Okay. Yeah. So, but I mean, the question still comes into play. I mean, he can just go out there and lollygag around for two rounds and, you know, how motivated is he to post a really good number here? I think that's a very interesting question. It seems like he has to play at least several of the FedEx Cup playoff events to retain his membership, no? If he would have to make it to the finals. By if he didn't play this week, he'd have to make it to the finals. If he plays this week, I think he only has to make it through the first couple of events. So he'd have uh, to. Actually, that's all incorrect. He won the British Open. He has a five-year exemption. Yeah, but mm. it was something that it was something that. I have to find it from Josh Culp, who said if he doesn't make at least 15 starts, he's still limited to 12 for some reason, but I can't remember what that reason is. Something about the 15 that he still has to make. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I I don't think he's going to withdraw. I don't think he's he has uh, an injury bug at the moment. But uh, I just hate the fact – I mean, you, you look at – you look at the, the the players below. If you go to the top prize player, you're gonna have to go someone down low, and you know these these are some some quality scrubs down there, um, and you're really putting all your. For me, Stenson has to win it to be worth it. And if I don't think he's gonna win it, I'm not gonna play him, and I don't think he's gonna win it, so I'm probably I'm not gonna play him. Fair enough, succinct enough. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Debo, I didn't mean to cut you off there. You got, uh, I mean, you just, uh, where are you landing on him? I guess with all that kind of put together. 
Uh, Gib makes a good point about the scrubs in this field. It's really tough for me to find. It's some pretty scrubby. I'm really interested in. Uh, I mean, there is a lineup that I can make with Stenson that I'm happy about, but I think a lot of people are going to kind of gravitate that way with just a handful of guys in the lower 7K range. Um, I'm just not really sure Stenson is worth the money. I think that he might be a little bit too popular because he really is the class of the field. I'm not necessarily sure that, you know, even though Kisner is a bit of a DFS darling, that people are going to pay 11-3 for him. So I wonder if people are going to go more balanced. I don't know. It's it's so much of the ownership game, especially in a you know birdie fest like this weekend's going to be, that totally increases volatility. And when variance goes up, you should be even more apt to be contrarian. So uh, if I think Stinson's going to be lower than 20% going into the weekend. I might sway that way, but I, I'm not necessarily sure that he's going to be, so I'm probably going to stick more of the balanced way and just feel better about getting six guys through the cut. Fair enough. I think that's a, a fair way to approach it this week for sure, especially since you know, you've only got two guys above 10.4K. Uh, one is Stenson, who we've been talking about now. The other is Kisner, who I think it's a fair question as to, you know, what what's Kisner's uh, motivational state going into this week after firing a pair of 67s to start the PGA Championship, really being out in front for the first three rounds in their entirety for the most part, and then uh, fading on, on Sunday, Sunday 74. I talked about the double bogey on 18 on Sunday. Uh, still finished inside the top 10, seventh place, but an emotionally draining week, I'm sure, for him. And, uh, you know, maybe playing this event just because uh, he's committed and, you know, I don't have his results here in front of me, but uh, I should pull up the uh, results here. Gib, you got that in front of you? <clears throat> or Devo? For at this tournament? Uh, yeah, so Kisner, he, he, he's done pretty well at this tournament or this course. Um, he's played there four times. His last two starts is the 10th and 8th. And he's, I mean, so he's got some local ties as well. So, you know, that, that those guys often just want to keep playing these events. And it's just fair to question how motivated Kisner is this week, I guess is my point there. Uh, Gib, what are you doing with, uh, I guess, if you want to say anything about else about Stenson, go ahead. But uh, what are you doing? Is, I mean, with the using the same logic there and not playing Kisner either with the fact that uh, you just don't like the value out there this week? Well, you know, I – one thing about Stenson also, he's got horrible course history here. Yeah. Rolling two, two missed cuts. Uh, Kisner, I like uh, a little bit, but I wasn't really thinking about the, the letdown factor, but, you know, it's sort of creeping into my head a little bit now. But just uh, one more thing about Stenson is this is a, the weakest field that he would have played in all year worldwide. Second weakest field was the Nordea Masters, and he finished 26th there, so... Uh, just a little bit of a, a heads up as to how he's done so far in weak fields in this uh, 2017. But Kisner, I mean, yeah, he has local ties. He, he's done pretty well at this tournament before. Um, you know, if it wasn't for just a couple of water balls from, I think it was, what, 10? Hole 10 where he, in the, the par five where he dunked it in the water uh, onwards. You know, we're looking at a PGA Championship or PJ champion maybe. Uh, so it's hard for me. I, I was more on him before the show, but now I'm sort of hesitating a little bit. So um, that's pretty much my stance there. I'm, I'm, I'm a bit iffy about him right now. 
Yeah, and that's kind of where I stand. I mean, the, the price tag is kind of uncomfortably high. I think I'd rather I, I just prefer to to save a thousand dollars or or more and go with some of the options in the in the nines and tens. So nothing wrong with Stenson, nothing wrong with Kisner, but I don't find myself gravitating towards them this week. But the the one thing about the FedEx Cup points is sure there's people on the bubble for to making the FedEx Cup playoffs, but there's some of these players up high who are also somewhat in a bubble in terms of if they can get high enough on the FedEx Cup that gives them added benefits going into the playoffs. Um, sort of like uh, I, I think it's what uh, the top ten in FedEx Cup points uh, get. I don't know if it's an easier easier path. They all have to play the same tournaments, but I, I know that the the last top five um, going to the Tour Championship control their own destiny. So the more FedEx Cup points they have at the top there, uh, the better they can sort of position themselves. And Kisner is uh, currently ninth in FedEx Cup points. So if he can get some more points up there, it, it does lend himself to a, a potentially easier track to winning the Tour Championship. This is somewhat irrelevant to today's discussion, but like, how much do the top end guys care about the FedEx Cup championship? Does it matter? Isn't to it a them? $10 million dollar payout? Well, I mean, that's going to matter. I mean, some, but some of these guys, you know, is money the, the primary driver for some of these guys? I, I, I don't know. It's a theoretical question that I, I'm just throwing it out there. It well, doesn't seem like anybody talks about. You know, oh, so and so was the 2014 FedEx Cup champion. Everyone remembers a major winner, mm -hmm. but who remembers a FedEx Cup champion? Well, I think uh, having the PGA Championship pushed further into the season frees up sort of like I mean, they're coming right off the PGA Championship, one Wyndham tournament, and then you're into the playoffs. So there's not much of a gap between a major and the playoffs. So I think. Uh, I think having a, a, a decent gap between the British Open and the, the playoffs might actually increase the uh, respect within the industry on the, the Tour Championship. It's never going to be, unless they start the Tour Championship, counting that as sort of a major victory, sort of like a fifth or a sixth major, then yeah, sure, they're not going to care too much about it. And I and that is going to happen. I mean, they just uh, what they announced last week that the PGA Championship is going to move to May. Yeah. Uh, in 2019 or ne is it next year? Yeah. I can't remember. And the players are going to be moved up too. So you have all these tournaments now that it's not such a bottleneck at the end of the season where you know it's just another tournament. Um, so it is going to add a little bit more excitement. But yeah, until they crown the PGA champion as a major winner in the year then, um, yeah, I, I don't think it, it, they're going to 100% get behind it like they would a major. Anyway, yeah, that, I mean, that's just a, a theoretical talking point more than anything. Uh, Devo, you got any thoughts on uh, on Kisner? And then you can move down to the next few guys there. Uh, I just can't justify paying up for Kisner. Henrik is such a better golfer that if he's going to be less popular than Kisner or they're going to be even close. Then I'm just going with Henrik. Uh, it's totally worth the extra 200 bucks, in my opinion, especially since the course history people will be off of him with two missed cuts in the WD. 
and you know just his not so excellent form lately fair what enough we guys... like beyond those two guys yeah i like duffner a lot statistically he really pops and everything i'm looking at and i like webb simpson a lot too i fear that simpson's going to be a bit chalky being southern having really good course history and being the goat in the approach in the field um I'm I would not agree sure with if that. I'm going to start my lineup there because he'll be so popular. I think a really good pivot off of him is Duffner because they basically look about the same on paper. And uh, I'd like to spend up those $400 to be contrarian if that's going to be the case. Yeah, I do think that Simpson will be popular. Everyone knows the narratives. He got his first win here. He also has an eighth in 2010, a fifth in 2014, a sixth in 2015. He's made the cut seven straight years at this course. So, of course, Didn't he name his people. daughter after this event. Uh, does he have a daughter named Wyndham? I think so. If it's not, it's somebody else in this field. There is Wyndham Clark in the Wyndham? Oh uh, no. The closest I'd get to naming my daughter Wyndham would be Winnie. <laughs> Willow. His daughter is named Willow. Yeah. I wonder if that is that is Willow from a course. Uh, Not this one. I'm thinking of somebody else here. Well, no. Webb Simpson married the daughter after Wyndham. Okay. But the, so so he named her Willow. Um. Yep. That's close. Oh, nope. Wyndham Rose. He's got a yeah, daughter. He's got, named okay. Rose. Yes, he does. Well, that's weird that it came up Willow. It's the old Google search. So, yeah, yeah, maybe she a... hates this event so much that she changed her name. <laughs> I stayed at a Wyndham last year. That was a <laughs> good time. I was actually using the pen today from there, not because I wanted to pay homage to the Wyndham. But, uh, hey, the sponsor's getting some time on the air tonight. Good for them. <laughs> uh, completely lost track of where we're at with that. Uh, but Web anyway, Web Simpson's going to be chalky. That's the conclusion. Devo would prefer to pay to pay the extra four hundred for Duffner. Uh, Gib, where you fall on kind of these three guys here: Duffner, Simpson, Bill Haas is there in the middle at ten point two k. I'd rather go down to Ryan Moore. Well, aren't you aren't you just raining on the parade here? Yeah. No interest in any of them. Every time I've uh, rostered Bill Haas, he's uh, done Bill Haas things. He's got some good course history here. I will give him that. Um, you know, I, I was thinking of a Kisner more combo, but you know, I, before the show, I was thinking that now I'm thinking more, it might be a Duffner more or a Haas more. I, I, I just can't bring myself to, to roster Webb Simpson. Cause I think I, I, I got a 50, 50 chance with him every time I roster him as does everyone else, but it, it always lands more on the missed cut side than it does the made cut side. So I am sort of avoiding him. So yeah, I, if I have to rank them for personal preference, I'd probably go Haas, Duffner and then Simpson. But you're not super thrilled about any of them. That's where we're getting here. No, but you know, I might take a look at Duffner and Haas a little bit better after the, after the show and, and, and see what I like. And it's going to also, um, come down to roster construction. I, I, I might leave these top prices empty and see where I can go from there. Uh, I might just fill it up with the the scrubbish type players first and then see who who might I can roster. Because you love the scrubs so much down there this week. 
yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a tricky week for roster construction. I mean, this uh, this tournament's a tough one to break down. So if they, if you've got a strong feeling about somebody uh, from your personal preference, and, and I'm talking to everybody out there that's watching, not just us. If you if you've got a strong feeling about somebody that maybe isn't getting talked up, you know, and you think this guy's going to be under owned, and you really like him for whatever reason, there's a stat that you're looking at. Uh, that you think really makes sense this week, don't be afraid to play that guy. I mean, you could get the, the guy that won the millionaire maker last week had grammed a lot at six tenths of a percent ownership and won a million dollars. So uh, don't be afraid to go out on that. Don't be afraid to go out on that limb if there's somebody that you like. So uh, Ryan Moore at 9.6. Gib, you mentioned that you liked him. What uh, sticks out about Ryan Moore for you? Well, the thing that sticks out about him is he's been okay. So the first part of the season basically he came second in the tour championship last season um from there he went on a streak of so many made cuts i think he missed one cut between that and i think the byron nelson after that he missed four out of five cuts and then he's uh i think he finished 20 in the 20s at the bridgestone and then 13th i think last week at the pga championship so he's trending in the right direction he has won at this uh course before if i'm not mistaken he uh, had the stats up here. He uh, won here. He won in 2009. Yeah. So he has won on this course before. You know, we're, we're looking at uh, strokes gained approach, maybe strokes gained T to green. He was seventh last week in strokes gained T to green. And he was, uh, I think, seventh in strokes gained approach at Quail Hollow as well. So, you know, he's uh, T to green. He is on, in good, good form. And he's also a pretty good putter. So, you know, when you add those all together, I just like where he's at. Fair enough. Uh, Devo, any thoughts on the uh, 9K guys here? We can go with any of the other 9Ks. Uh, Keegan Bradley at 9,500. That enough to suit your fancy this week? He's interesting to me. He's been playing a lot better lately. He's tops in the field off the tee, but he's just been so bad on the approach and his short irons have not been very good at all lately either. So that worries me with him on this course. Um, I, I would rather have Ryan Moore than Keegan Bradley. Ryan Moore might end up turning into one of my more interesting players uh, with everybody gravitating towards Simpson. We totally forgot to mention Bill Haas, who has gained more strokes than anybody here in the last you know, 10 years they've been playing on this course. Uh, is he going to be the guy that totally goes overlooked in the expensive guy range, or is, is his form just too bad that we should be ignoring him? I don't necessarily think he'll get overlooked. I mean, I don't know. There are a lot of people that don't like to play him because he's not – he tends to not play well. There's that narrative that he doesn't – score enough um so people hate to play him in in like a birdie fest sort of you know competition like this one is so but everyone else i think he's getting talked about enough and his history here is really good so this this course is a traditional birdie fest course and he's got really good course history there true i know i'm just saying that that narrative's out there i'm not saying i subscribe to that i'm saying yeah it's out there bill haas is a par machine i mean mr par bill haas so um, I don't necessarily to, think you'll get over. You got to think though is is Jim Furyk has the label of the power machine. Yet on the flip side, he's also shot a fifty eight before. So <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that, that's my thoughts on Haas. He's there. He's fine. I don't have a strong take on Bill Haas. Yeah, I don't. 
I mean, I'm just scared of all of these really expensive guys. I don't think you're getting what you're paying for in a typical week where, you know, you're getting guys at 10K that are usually like 20 to one. Now they're like 25 or 30 to one. So um, I, I'm leaning balance, but I just fear that that's what everybody else is going to do too. So I'm, I'm definitely more interested in being contrarian than following the numbers this week due to the unpredictable nature. Anybody else uh, you like in the 9Ks there? Uh, I like Bud Colley a bunch. Um, I think he might also end up being trendy based on early reports on like Fantasy National and uh, Fanshare Sports, though. So I don't know, man. I don't know. It's like it's seriously just all going to be about ownership. But Bud Colley really pops. He's uh, great off the tee, great on the approach, great in the short par fours, and uh, just pretty solid all around statistically. So I think he's a very fair price there. And I'm also interested in James Hahn at 9K. Uh, slightly better. Yeah, about the same numbers as Kali. Almost as good. All right, Gib. Uh, any thoughts on the other 9K guys for you? Yeah, I like Bud Coley. And I do like James Hahn as well. Grayson Murray. Are we going to start believing that he's a decent golfer? I mean, he is. He certainly is with the way he's been playing. Yeah, it's – I want to roster him, I guess, just based on the numbers, but I just can't. But uh, you're not the only one that can't. Yeah. So, I mean, he's never super chalky because people just don't like playing the guy. He's uh, he's not exactly been the most fun uh, to DFS players, and certainly at 9,100, I mean, he's not chalky. Well, the moment they let high schoolers play, you know, his ownership will go up. <laughs> I see. I see what you did there. Um, I just I can't play him at ninety one hundred. Period. But I get it. I mean, the results have been there. Yeah. So I mean, James Hahn. Yeah. Um, it, are we going underneath nine k or? Sure. You go where you want to go up uh, there. The next guys you like. Ben Hong An is another player. He, he most likely will be a first round leader, like he usually is, and then sort of creep he always seems to have a great first round or two and then on the weekend he just must party it up he might be a the, the uh closet partier on the pga tour because on the weekends he sort of sort of crashes a little bit so uh i don't mind him at that price you know he he has won a sort of legit tournament in the bmw bmw pga championship on the european tour before so he has won a, a somewhat big event so you know, you're really grasping at straws uh, at some point at this in this tournament. So I guess uh, it's not bad to grasp onto one of those. Yeah, I mean, I think he's fine, especially at that price. He's only missed a couple cuts all year. So uh, he tends to play aggressive, which will reward a golfer at, at times on this course uh, with a lot of scorable opportunities. So uh, I think he's kind of a guy that's sticking out to me this week. Um, other kind of 8k options ben martin's had a pretty good stretch here lately so i think he'll get uh, some uh, some ownership this week over guys like you know danny leak who burned everybody with that withdrawal to john deere a month or so ago chris stroud just seems a little expensive um other guys kind of in that range not in the the tip top uh, form uh devo thoughts on the 8ks this week I mean, we're already getting to guys that we usually see in like the six yeah. and the seven Ks. It's uh, <laughs> kind of scary. 
Um, I do like Ben on. I think he's going to be pretty chalky this week. Uh, you're not going to fool me with Ben Martin again. <laughs> Chris Stroud is definitely the earliest mover of the Vegas lines right now, but I don't like his stats very much. So I'm probably going to avoid that anyways. Um, it's not until we get down to Kevin Streelman that I find somebody I'm interested in. He's uh, really good on the short par fours. He's solid uh, gaining strokes. And he's solid in the par fives, and he's at Clint in the proximity. So uh, this looks like, of course, he could do well on and he might uh, just kind of, I don't know, not be necessarily as popular as I think you should just with how many strange names there are floating around here. Yeah, Strelman has made seven consecutive cuts. He hasn't played here since 2012, but he is four for four making the cut uh, at this course since they moved here in 2008. So um, really – you know, solid uh, history that uh, not a lot of people are talking about since he hasn't played here in uh, four years or so. But and he hasn't uh, played for a month. I didn't realize that. Uh, anything up there? Have you seen that? Yeah, his last tournament was the John Deere. So he was third or uh, third alternate of the PGA Championship. Obviously, he didn't get into the British Open. wasn't invited to the the Bridgestone because of his world ranking, and I, he probably just thought you know what is if i don't get into those majors and i'm not in the the wgc event i might just take some time off because if you look at it he went travelers quicken greenbrier john deere that's four taunt four weeks back to back to back to back so it might have been a, a, a planned time off for him and he just tried to cram as many tournaments in a row as he could and then if he got invited or if he did get to play in the pga championship then he'd be fresh for that that's the only sort of narrative or only sort of take that I have on that. Uh, but I, I love the play. Um, you know, he's horrible at putting uh, over the last four tournaments, but he strokes gained tier to green. He was ranked ninth, 12th and 13th in those, in three of those four tournaments. Uh, 44th was the, the fourth tournament um, that he, uh, in the strokes gained tier to green uh, stat there. So his recent tournaments that he's played, he's been striping the ball pretty well. So I, I do like him for that, this tournament. At 8,200, we have a guy who always seems to randomly perform well at the strangest times. And it's usually in these kind of birdie fest tournaments, which is somewhat of a surprise to me that he came 13th last week. Uh, but Scott Brown was 13th last week at the PGA Championship. Again, he tends to sometimes pop in these type of events. Uh, he's got a 33rd here last year, a third here the year before that. And I like the fact that that he played pretty well last week. So Scott Brown at 8,200. I agree with you guys on what you said about Streelman. I think he's fine. Um, Ches Reavy will, will garner some, some interest as well this week at 8.1K. Uh, so those are kind of the guys in that range that I think uh, will maybe draw some ownership but uh, also seem like solid plays. Now we can move to uh, kind of 8K and below guys uh, here this week. Uh, Gib, I'll give you first crack at some of these guys. Okay, so uh, Chaz is another player who I was going to mention. Uh, Seamus Power, you know, we mentioned some of the bubble players uh, on the fringe there. He'd be the first one that I was thinking about that, you know, I was thinking. He, he was the first person that you mentioned who I was actually thinking about rostering. He's at 123, so he's probably good as long as he makes the cut. But Yeah, so I'm not real worried about his uh, ownership maybe, but, you know, I, I, I've i liked him since the Olympics, mostly because I think his name's pretty cool. Uh, but, you know, he hasn't really let you down if you've rostered him. 
uh, that many times. So especially for the price tag that he's had in, in the 6K range. So I, I don't mind him. Uh, I think Chad Campbell might be the chalk of this of this area. Would you guys agree? I mean, given his results and the fact that he's been pretty chalky lately, sure. Yeah. So, I mean, it's hard. Uh, you know, Streb is another player I'm looking at. Uh, it's not until I get to all these Schneider jams where I'm sort of really liking what I see. So, uh, Seamus Power, I probably like Oli better than I do uh, Seamus. So, uh, 7,600 is where I start picking up interest. Yeah, and Ollie will definitely uh, get some people on him this week. I've already heard plenty of buzz about him. So, uh, Ollie at 7.6K, you, you can pencil him in for some high ownership. But he missed uh, the cut at the Barracuda, which is funny. He did. <laughs> uh, prior to that, though, pretty pretty solid run. Uh, kind of surprising that he would miss the cut at the Barracuda. A little alarming, but hopefully he can get back on track this week or – Hopefully not. If you don't play him, it's all in your perspective there. But uh, Debo, your thoughts on kind of the mid to upper 7Ks? Yeah, I agree with you all that Campbell's going to be chalky uh, as well as Reavy. I'm um, interested in Campbell. I'm not interested in Reavy. He's an easy fade for me. Campbell's going to be a little bit tougher. going to depend on what I think his ownership's going to be. Um, I do like Seamus Power at 8K. I think he's going to be an excellent little pivot kind of in between these two guys that we're going to predict to be chalky. I'm also in for, interested in Kevin Tway at 7.8K, 11th off the tee, 11th on the short par fours, and 8th in the short proximity shots. Um, I'm going to pass on all these, you know, DFS familiar names like Laird Horschel, Streb, Knox. I don't like Arnabon Lahiri today. Don't like Flores or Pan. And, yeah, I'm getting on board the Ali Schneiderjan train. Um, again, just worried that people are going to be doing that also. Yeah, for sure. It's a easy guy that uh, that people are going to be on this week, especially since the the form isn't the best for a lot of these other guys in here. I mean, even guys we're used to taking in DFS, uh, Horschel's twelve for twenty this year, making cuts. Russell Knox nine for twenty. So uh, rough years for some of those guys. Seven point five k to seven k uh, starts out with Grillo, Kevin Na, Soren Kjeldsen, uh, Debo. Your thoughts on the rest of the seven k guys? Well, I was wrong about Schneider James. I don't like him. I do like Emiliano Grillo at 7.5K. Smiley Kaufman at 7.4. He's the one I mixed up with Schneider James. So it's hard to find things you like down here. Have you found like any like super cheap guys at all, or does it just all end at 7K for you too? <laughs> I like Zach Blair. I'll throw that name out there. All right, cool. Then we have something to get to later. <laughs> Um, yeah, Grillo, Kaufman, Scott Stallings in the mid 7k range for me. And these are all just guys that are popping numerically for the stats that I'm looking at. Uh, you know, there's no red flags as far as Vegas odds go. And, you know, I'm kind of just going to evaluate where the buzz is and go the other directions because these options, you know, I don't really have any strong personal feeling to sway me either way. Um, I'm, I'm just going to let, you know, my options be filtered out by who is least popular. All right, Gabe, your thoughts on the uh, lower 7K golfers. Yeah, I like Gr Grillo. It's funny, Grillo and uh, Kevin Na. I mean, at one point, Kevin Na was a 10K player. I think I think it was the beginning of last season. He was priced at 10K. Now, at a Wyndham, he's ranked 
down there under 7.5. So Kevin Nah, uh, it's very intriguing to see him that low. Um, and Grillo, you know, I don't think he's done much to deserve being this low as well. So I think that they could potentially be some some decent value plays down below. Um, Brendan Haggy, he's a a player who has been playing pretty well at these lately. He's he crushes the ball off the tee. I mean, he rivals almost Dustin Johnson in terms of distance. So, you know, he strokes gain approach is not great, but his strokes gain, I think, off the tee is 26th. And his uh, he's strokes gain tee to green um, is, is pretty solid. And he's ranked 73rd in strokes gain putting, which is, is pretty good. If he can actually work out his short irons, he could actually be contending more often in some of these uh, PGA Tour events. So I, I have a feeling you might see him winning uh, an event like this or potentially in the fall series if he can get his short irons in. So I don't mind him as a play. Uh, Joe, Jason uh, Cockrack, I might be interested in, but, you know, very hesitant. Uh, 7.2, a player who I think potentially could be uh, pretty under-owned is Rory Sabatini. Uh He's uh, played here twice. The last time he played was in 2013, where he came eighth. But you know, he's, he's had not- ridiculous buzz on Twitter this week. Like, really, everybody for some reason is talking about Rory Sabatini. I don't know what it is, but Rory Sabatini is going to be that lower guy that becomes manufactured chalk this week. And I totally didn't see that coming. It's a it's a testament to the field, I guess. But. Yeah, I mean, um, his last five starts are 14th, 19th, 55th, 23rd, and 17th. So they're I mean, solid. solid. I think he five. will be greater than 10% owned. I'm not going to go nuts with higher than that, but I think he will be greater than 10. That's, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, the no, Twitterverse I, seems to like him this week. That, that's fair enough. Uh, you probably have a, a greater pulse on it because uh, I like I said last week, I don't follow. You only follow like 10 people, so you can't. Uh, I think it's up to like 40 now. <laughs> I'm honored to be one of 40. Well, uh, you I'm an exclusive. I follow both of you guys. I just That's, don't know how people keep track of Twitter if you follow a whole bunch of people. I just really don't. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, uh, failing that, there's not too much. Um, Nick Watney might be a player who I'm interested in. Another player uh, above 7K, Daniel Summerhays. Uh, he came, what, 71st last week at the PGA Championship. Uh, he came 72nd in strokes gain tee to green, but he came 7th in strokes gain approach last week. He's always a, a very solid putter. So if you can just get his strokes gain off the tee under control he uh, and he keeps his strokes gain approach going like he did last week, then he could have a nice bounce back this week. So when we get below the 7K options, the only guy that we have listed as potential or projected ownership above 10% uh, under 7K is Trey Molinax, who right now is at uh, 14.5. So when you get to these value guys, there's really not a lot to like down there. And that's why I said earlier in the show, if you find somebody you like, roll with it. I mean, my guy is kind of Zach Blair, He's played here once. He missed the cut, but his stats, he's top 40 on tour in par four scoring. He's third in scrambling. He's a lot better on these shorter par 70 courses because he just doesn't have a lot of distance. So uh, there's not a whole lot of insight we're going to be able to give you on some of these uh, terrible guys. But if you find one you like, 
roll with it. So that's my advice on the super cheap guys. And that brings us to the end of the show for tonight. Uh, next week, the FedEx Cup playoffs start with the Northern Trust. Uh, we'll be back with a much, much stronger field for that event. So make sure you check that out. And with that, we're going to get out of here for Devo and Gib. I am Justin. Have a great week, everybody, and good luck. We'll see you one week from now. Pros do it right by relying on trusted brands to get the job done. Lowe's is here to help with more of those brands in stock like DeWalt and Little Giant. We stock the largest in-store selection of DeWalt power tools and accessories of any national retailer. Now save $60 on a two-pack of DeWalt 20-volt max batteries, now just $99. Plus, we now offer the Little Giant King Combo Ladder, the world's first step, extension, and leaning ladder, giving you the flexibility to do just about any job for only $159. Do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offer valid through 616, U.S. only. And now, an ad from Dad. <clears throat> All right. Save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Can I take these off? All right. What is this? This looks good. Wow. That's well made. Where did you get this? I'm talking to you with the hair. Yeah, where did you get this? It's good stuff. That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations.